0: Hello, I'm Rabbi Match Neiwies, and this is the Stoic Jew podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today is Friday, and we sometimes do a Friday Q and A. Uh, and two questions were sent to me by a student of mine, Shira, who I guess recently started listening to the podcast from the beginning. So this is from her. Question is based on one of the first readings that we did. Uh, this is Marcus Aurelius' Meditations, Book Two, Chapter Three, and she asked me two questions uh, about the the text and about what I meant. And rather than listen to what I recorded in September uh, and answer on that basis, I decided to just approach it fresh. And I have some ideas. We'll see if it comes together when I start talking, <laughs> as uh, as always. Okay, so let's let's read. So, uh, Marcus really says, "...the work of God is full of providence. The work of fortune is not divorced from nature or the spinning and winding of the threads ordained by providence." All flows from that other world, and there is besides necessity and the well-being of the whole universe of which you are part. Now, to every part of nature, that is good which the nature of the whole brings, and which preserves that nature. And the universe is preserved as much by the changes of the compound bodies as by the changes of the elements which compose those bodies. Let this be sufficient for you. These continually be your doctrines. But put away your thirst for books, so that you may not die murmuring, but truly reconciled and grateful from your heart to God. Okay, so uh, I will endeavor to explain the entire thing, but let me just uh, tell you what Shira asked. So she asked two questions. First question was um, that, uh, let me just find it here. So she said, regarding the the statement, put away your thirst for books so that you may not die murmuring. uh, She says, if that seems to be his whole life purpose, and he is in fact writing this in one of his own books, um, why would he say that? Sorry, I, I misread her question. Why would he say this if this is what he's spending his time writing, and this is in one of his own books? Uh, and then she says, or was this something that his students found later that was not meant for the public eye? So I'm going to actually answer that question before reading her second one, uh, just because I don't know what, what, how, you know, who's listening to this podcast and when you're joining. But Marcus really says meditations seem to have been written for himself. These really were meditations, his own thoughts. Um did he have an eye that people might discover them later? Maybe I don't know, but uh, but he was writing them for himself. Whereas, let's say Seneca's letters, which were written for Lucilius, were really written with an eye to publication, according to the introduction to my edition of of the letters of Seneca. So this was for himself, um, and uh, and but that doesn't fully answer what does he mean exactly here. Um, so we I'll endeavor to explain that, and then secondly. Um, she says, based on your understanding that he means not to read in a way that'll pull you away from appreciating God and his creations, do you know if later on Aurelius advises mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. to how to avoid falling into this trap, or is it more of an open ended warning? So, basically, like, how can we avoid this trap of uh, of you know, giving into the thirst for books and then dying murmuring? Okay, so I actually want to start off from the beginning, so um, so The first many times I read this, I thought that this was just repeating the same thing over and over again. So the work of a God is full of providence. And again, here, I honestly don't know what Aurelius meant. Uh, You know, sometimes I'm trying to figure out what he meant, and sometimes I'm just trying to look at these words and see what ideas can we get out of it, especially in light of Judaism. So I'm going to take that second approach this time. I really don't know what he means um, in particular. Um, so, uh, you know, what, what his intention was. So the work of God is full of providence. The work of fortune is not divorced from nature or the spinning and winding of the threads ordained by providence. So that, that's something that is a big Kiddush. That's a, a, a new insight here because it's one thing to see that the universe is governed by providence to see that there is order and design in the universe and that, that things proceed, you know, in line with that design. But then I think people, especially in the ancient world would view other things as chance, you know, um, as, uh. Uh, you know, fortune, right? Is that there's the order and lawfulness and design of everything, and then there's chance, and chance can intervene. And what we certainly hold, again, I don't know if this is what Marcus Aurelius holds, is that there is no such thing as chance. Everything is God's will, whether in hashgacha klielis in the laws of nature, or in hashgacha pratis in God's you know systems of uh, of intervention in the laws of nature. But there's no such thing as 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 blind random chance. Everything is in accordance with with God's will through providence. So that you know, that is something that Aurelius is highlighting here. And then he says, and there is besides necessity and the well-being of the whole universe of which you are a part. Sorry, all flows from that other world. And there is besides necessity and the well-being of the whole universe of which you are a part. Um, so that's, that's a, a third level, which is not only is the universe designed with with uh, Does the universe have design and operate in accordance with providence? And not only is what you call fortune in line with that, but you yourself are subject to it. You know, and that was another thing that was uh, uh, uh you know uh, not appreciated in the in the ancient world and uh, even in the modern world is that people like to view themselves as as separate from you know from from the the laws that govern the universe. I mean, this is uh, uh let me just open up my um. Hold on here. <laughs> uh, yeah, this Einstein quote, I'm sure I've quoted this in an episode before, but he says, a human being is... Oops. A human being is part of a whole, called by us the universe, a part limited in time and space. He experiences himself, his thoughts and feelings, as something separated from the rest, a kind of optical delusion of his consciousness. This delusion is a kind of prison for us, restricting us to our personal desires and to affection for a few persons nearest us. Our task must be to free ourselves from this prison by widening our circles of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature in its beauty. So that optical delusion of consciousness, where you view yourself as separate from nature and not subject to its laws, that is very common, it's human nature, and the the fullest expression of that is, is, let's say, like Paro, you know, in the rhyme, where he made himself into a god, and viewed himself as above nature. So that's the third statement, and then he says, now to every part of nature, that is good which the nature of the whole brings, and which preserves that nature, and the universe is preserved as much by the changes of the compound bodies as by the changes of the elements which compose those bodies. So that's stating a fourth point, which is the fact that, that, Everything is designed with a view towards the whole you know God saw. that God looked at everything he uh, he made and saw that it is very good. the very good being that it all functions in terms of of uh, preserving the existence of the whole with all of the harmony of its parts, you know perpetually. so that's stating what the standard of the good is, okay Then he goes on and says, let this oh and and things change and even though those changes might bring about um you know, uh, detriment and lack and corruption and destruction and deterioration in the particulars, it's all good in terms of that, that good as a whole. Okay. Then he, he, he switches. He says, let this be sufficient for you. These continually be your doctrines. Put away your thirst for books so that you may not die murmuring, but truly reconciled and grateful from your heart to God. So in context, I mean, again, out of context, it looks like he's just saying, you know, don't, uh, don't just uh, spend your time reading, you know? But in context is the question. What does he mean here? So I'm going to take a stab at it, which is that, you know, we really hold—and uh, I know I've quoted this before because these are my two favorite psukim in, in, uh, in Nah, you know, the ones, the ones that, uh, you know, that summarize uh, the essence of what Judaism is, uh, which I'm delaying because I'm, I didn't intend to quote this, so I'm just getting it up right now here. So Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah 9, 22 and 23. Which is, uh, so thus says Hashem, do not let the wise man praise himself in, in his wisdom, which the Rambam explains in this context means, uh, perfection of character, ethical perfection, and don't let the strong man praise himself with his strength, that's referring to physical perfection, and don't let the Wealthy person prays himself with for his wealth. That's perfection of possessions. Only with this may one praise himself. Comprehending and knowing me, with a capital M. For Who does kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth? Because in these is my desire, says Hashem. So, so uh, the Rambam explains this in the last chapter of the More Nebuchim, But the purpose of man is not to perfect his material possessions, not to perfect his body, not to perfect his character traits, all of those are only a means to an end. The end is knowledge of God. Haskell Viodo Osi, comprehending and knowing me, uh, but not knowledge of God per se. It's knowledge of God that culminates in in action, in in emulating God's ways, in doing chesed, mishpat, utzedakah, because that's what God desires. So I think, poss- oh, and the Raman says that all of the knowledge, you know, how do we gain this knowledge of God? We study nature. We study you know, the actions of Hashem in the Torah, and we emulate those to the extent possible so that we become, uh, you know, uh, agents for, for executing the divine will in and doing chesed, mishpat, and staka on earth. So perhaps, again, I don't know what Marcus Aurelius meant, but I'll tell you what, what I see in his words, is that when a person is learning, then they, they cannot fall into the trap of viewing the knowledge as an end in and of itself, which is ironic because we do really view learning lishma, learning for its own sake, you know, as the highest level of learning is the only purpose of the truth is to know that it is true. Um, And and when you're learning Lishma, you're not really thinking about what the purpose is, okay? But I think that's in the Lishma experience. But in terms of your overall relationship to learning, your learning should be in order that you live in accordance with your ideas, you know, that you choose the good and that you enact God's will. And that's really what the Gemara says in Bava Kamma Yud Zayin Amun Aleph when it's talking about whether... um action is greater, ma'aseh is greater, or Talmud Torah, or whether learning is greater. And it says, Talmud, uh, Torah she, Talmud that <laughs> learning is greater because it brings you to action, which is a little paradoxical. But really, that's, that perfectly expresses it, uh, which is that learning is the the greatest thing. Without learning, then you're not really living as a human being, you know, without knowledge. But the learning must be a certain kind of learning, one that brings you to action. And what Marcus Aurelius is warning against is people who become involved just in the ivory tower of learning for its own, uh, d- just as an intellectual endeavor, um, in, in a way that removes you from appreciating God's providence and striving to align yourself with that, to live in line with the good, or as the Stoics would say, to live in line with nature. You know, if your learning is, is if you're, if you're studying of nature is, is bringing you to live in line with nature, then that is the good kind of learning. But if it is bringing you away from that then, uh, then, then you're, you're really not learning. Uh, you're not learning the right way. Then you're, you're learning in a way that is only reaching your mind, not your, your emotions and your decisions and your life. So going back to the question that I was asked of, does Marcus Aurelius tell us how to do this? You know, uh, does he, uh, tell us how to avoid falling into this trap? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of meditations and I haven't read all of it so far, but for our purposes, I think the first step has to be to just be aware of what the type of learning is that we're striving for. We are striving for a learning—yes, there's certain theoretical areas of learning, and and when you're learning, you do need to immerse yourself in the theoretical, and you're not really worried about the practical. But in terms of the ultimate way that you—the the ultimate place that learning occupies in your life, it is to to culminate in action, it is it is almanas, you know, lilman almanas la'asos, you know, to do. Um, side point here, just thinking about the fact that this is the last episode before Shavuos— um, it is interesting that Shavuos has two themes, uh, right? So there's the theme in the Torah in the written Torah, of the Chalqa Katzir of the Harvest Festival, the, at the beginning of the Harvest, which I spoke about two uh, two episodes ago. And then there's the fact that it's about Matan Torah. It's about the fact that we are, uh, you know, re- uh, receiving... This is the anniversary of when we receive the Torah, um, according to some. Uh, so these are the two themes. And, and you know, the question is, what's the relationship between two, the two themes? I'm sure there are many answers given, but since this is the Stoich Jew podcast... I would like to suggest that perhaps this idea that Marcus Aurelius is expressing can serve as the theme, namely that there is God's providence and how he runs the world. And then there's your learning. And if those two are separate, then there's something wrong. Rather, you should look at how God runs the world and appreciate his Hashgacha, his providence, which is manifest in the fact that he's the one who's no he, he supplies food for all living creatures. You know, He opens his hand and uh, satisfies the uh, the needs of every living being. And that same being is the one who gave the Torah and that the Torah is meant through our learning, to culminate in emulating his hashgaha and emulating his ways. So, in other words, if you view these as two separate— Marcus Aurelius would not view these as two separate themes, because to him, appreciating God's providence and learning are interrelated. And and if we look at those two themes as completely separate, then there's something wrong with our learning. So, uh, I guess, as we go into Shavuos, you know, it's hard for us to connect to the the agricultural theme, but as we go into Shavuos— and we are aware of the agricultural theme, and we're certainly aware of the Torah theme. We should uh, use this as an opportunity to reexamine our uh, our connection, the connection that we make in our own lives between our learning and the way that we live, and uh, and you know, and and how in line or disconnected this is from appreciating God's providence and striving to emulate it. That's it for today's episode. Uh, if you've gained from what you've learned here today and would like to support my production of even more Torah content, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com Rabbi so Link is in the description. Uh, and I do thank those who have recently joined or increased their amounts for the Patreon. As I said, Lamdeha is ending. Uh, and uh, I don't yet know what that means for my finances. Uh, I would like to keep up the podcast's uh, and the extra content that I've been making, and not have to make recourse to tutoring to uh, to be able to you know to pay my bills. Um, and uh, every every dollar helps. Even $3 a month can go a long way because uh, there are a lot of podcasts, and I pay a lot, uh, I pay money to, to, to keep them up there and to make them accessible and to, to make sure the audio quality is good and all that other stuff. So thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my patrons for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone. And have a Chag Sameach, have a happy Shavuos, and uh, I hope that the Shavuos brings us closer to uh, Hashem and to uh, living in line with His Hashgacha and to learning His Torah.